0: you develop footsteps with impact in your prayer life we believe in the scripture that says that steps of a righteous man are ordered of the lord and so if they are ordered of the lord they should have impact we also believe just like jesus did and the disciples and the prophets of old or even paul that our prayers should have impact every time every prayer that jesus prayed had impact on uh, the situation he was praying about whether it was at the tomb of Lazarus or the prayer um, thanking God for the um, multiplication of the uh, fish and the loaves, it all had impact. And and there were short prayers. And that's because when Jesus prayed, he prayed with impact. Now, that's how Jesus wants us to pray. In fact, that's why he was teaching us to pray thusly when he gave us what we call the Lord's Prayer. You see, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, Jesus gave us a lot of principles by which if we follow them, or if we study it, if, you, if we look at it, you'll see that you can apply um, those principles to many other situations and prayers, and you'll get results. Because, for example, when we say our Father who art in heaven, we are establishing who our Father is, who the authority is, the sovereignty of God. Hallowed be thy name. You know, you look at his name. We're talking about the name of Jesus, the name of God. And so uh, when you hallow his name in your prayer, in the things that you do, he's giving us principles and so on and so on. But today we are not really talking about that. That will be another day, another podcast. But that shows you that, you know, there are principles that are set forth in the Bible. If we do use them, things will work and prayers will be with impact. So, For example, when you go back to our thing about fasting, Look at Jesus. Jesus fasted 40 days before his ministry kicked off. Why? Uh, Did he just, was he on a diet? Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights as he received the Ten Commandments from God. And in that situation, Moses was really showing us that, hey, uh, man shall not live by bread alone. You know, just being with God is enough. Can you imagine if Moses took a lunch break while God was giving him the commandments? But um, so there are reasons why uh, he fasted. Do we still need to fast in this period of grace? Some people may say, yeah, Jesus did recommend it because he said that when you fast, and he was talking about the period after he leaves. And so that means, which is a period of grace. And so uh, we have to realize that fasting is a really powerful tool that God gave us to use in our prayer life. Later towards the end, we shall see in this podcast how this uh, fasting is one of the three keys uh, that the Bible uses to show an open reward from God. God talks about an open reward when we do certain things, and fasting is one of them. And we shall see that, uh, we shall show using a biblical circumstantial evidence to understand why fasting is, uh, um, is so important in our lives of prayer. So we are going to look at six circumstances or reasons why we would need to fast. and uh, These situations were different at different times for the different people in the Bible, but they are biblical and they set the precedent for us to uh, pray, pray under such pressures or circumstances. Um, so the first one is really um, a circumstance of humility. Uh, David says in Psalm thirty-five thirteen, or the psalmist, that I humbled myself with fasting. See, we are dealing with a mighty God, a God who uh, we go to for so many different things, a God who does so much for us. Many times we are not aware of it, we are sleeping, we are, uh, accidents are avoided as we drive, and different things, as we fly, we make it down, up and down. And so we sometimes have to worship God by humbling ourselves before him. So there's a spiritual humility that takes place when we fast. Humility that allows us to say to God's spirit, you are enough and you are all I need. You know, that's when we speak and feed and you know our spirits. Jesus debunked the food theory when he told Satan that man shall not live by bread alone. See, Satan came to Jesus when he was really hungry and tried to make him do something so that he can prove that, you know, that Jesus could do a miracle, turn food, um, stones into, into food. But then what that would have meant is um, Jesus would have been taking orders from Satan. Satan would have said, oh, do this and you do. And if Jesus had done that, then we would have no ground for not saying that Satan is allowing us to do this or Satan does this in our lives. If Jesus had obeyed Satan, then he would have set a precedent for us to obey Satan, but we cannot do that. And Jesus refused by quoting the word that man shall not live by bread alone. And that's what happens when we humble ourselves is that God gives us uh, the word or the things to say to Satan or in term, in, in times of um, uh, temptation, God gives us the right word to say so that the devil cannot trick us into anything, especially obeying him. And so... The humbling ourselves before God when we fast, we open our spirits to his spirit. The word of God becomes our food, a true living, powerful, and a sharp tool in our lives. Now, can you imagine, uh, like I said earlier, when Je- uh, when God was giving Moses the uh, Ten Commandments, Moses had to fast. He had to humble himself by saying, you are all I need. Can you imagine if Moses was taking lunch breaks as God was giving him this? Day? Oh, now we're on the fifth commandment. Now, we don't know how many days he spent on each commandment, but we know one thing. He was there for 40 days and 40 nights. And so that means if you divide that by the ten commandments, he probably took ten days per commandment. We don't know what else he told Moses, but he took that long to give him ten days. Pieces of instruction, so you know that when we humble ourselves before God, what may seem like one verse, what may seem like uh, like one word, will be so powerful. You know, we all know about the uh, prayer of Jabez. It's only like uh, how many uh, two lines, but it's such a powerful prayer that ministries have been born out of just that uh, verse. And so, when we go before God, what may seem like a small one verse uh, statement is a powerful statement, much more powerful than even the nuclear bombs that we um, talk about or brag about in our times. Mm -hmm. Now, in Matthew 4.4, it says that, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's the scripture that Jesus used to counter the trick of the devil when trying try to tempt him. So next time when the devil tries to tempt you or try to get you to do something, God will give you the word that you need. Now, when we fast, we open ourselves to the Spirit of God so that whatever word he gives us is powerful. Now, also there's a verse in Deuteronomy 8.3. It says that, "...so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know." nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So that's the scripture that Jesus quoted to Satan when Satan tried to trick him into turning stones into, uh, into food. Now, it would have looked good if Jesus had turned those rocks into food. But you know what? He would have obeyed the instructions of Satan. He would have been uh, n- now under the orders of Satan. But Jesus, there is no way Jesus could have taken orders from Satan. Now, it's a kind of humility when we fast that empowers us because God <clears throat> lets God's will for us to be clarified. You know, God clarifies Himself when we fast. When we shut off everything else. Remember that after Jesus fasted for these 40 days, the devil came. So even for us, when we fast, the devil will come. Things will come. But also remember that we can always counterattack with the living word. Satan did use the word of God. He used logos, the written word. But it was not a living word. What Satan forgot, he was talking to the Living Word Himself, Jesus Christ, and so when you fast, one of the things that uh, uh, happens to you when you humble yourself and fast and shut off the flesh is that God gives you the Living Word for any circumstance, any situation, and it never fails. And so, like in Ezra eight twenty one, you know it, it says that there at the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children and all our possessions. See, here you can see again, Ezra, they were trying to uh, uh, cross over and they had to fast, everyone, the children and everybody, because he says, we humbled ourselves. And then at that point, God gave them the strength and the wisdom and the protection that they needed to move as a nation of Israel, fasting is powerful in situations where we need God to provide, to protect, and to lift us up as we humble ourselves before him. And now reason number two why we may need fasting. Now in this situation, we're going to see that um, fasting helps us to um, overcome our natural limitations and invokes our, our supernatural position by emphasizing the rightful place we are in Christ. And what does that mean? You know, um, if we read uh, Luke uh, 12, 11, uh, and, uh, yeah, 12, 11 and 12 to 12, it says that, and when you are brought to trial in synagogues and before the rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what you are, you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what needs to be said. You now, what does that mean? That means you are renouncing the natural you're renouncing uh, the nurture in the sense that you're saying, well, I'm here being tried. I'm here in these circumstances, but really I'm seated on the right hand uh, with Jesus Christ on the right hand of the Father. You know, you renounce and you uh, you state who you are as a believer. You have authority to speak in his name. He has given you that authority to speak in his name in, in situations and circumstances that may be around you, which may be negative, which may be Um, um, which may be scary, you are different. You are different than what uh, the other people look at you as. So when you're submitted to his spirit, God will give you the right words. That's what he was telling the, um, giving instructions to the disciples here. He was telling them that if you come under trial, if you come under attack, just remember this one thing, that you will be given the right words to speak. And as we have seen, our words have impact. God will give you the defense. God will give you the word that you need to speak against the enemy. God will give you the word that you need to speak to make a a breakthrough in your situation. You know, the Bible says that we are seated in the heavenly places with Jesus Christ, who is seated on the right hand of the Father. Jesus also said that if we ask anything in his name of the Father, that he will do it. Be cautious, though, that um, anything here does not mean that you ask anything silly. No, you ha- it has to be in the will of the Father. And see, we know we are in his will when because the steps of a righteous man are guided of the Lord. So we know we are in God's will. And so we, we are not going to be praying just anything. Now, according to Romans 8, it says that the Holy Spirit will help us and will give us the words to pray. You know, in John uh, sixteen twelve, it also says that at, at the time, you won't need to ask me for anything. That's when Jesus is gone uh, from their presence. He says, I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant you the request because you use my name. You know, as New Testament believers, Jesus explains to us that uh, uh, how when we use his name and we petition God, We shall get that which we want. In the Old Testament, we see, uh, as we have seen Ezra, when the children of Israel were moving back to Jerusalem, Ezra is a very interesting person because he knew his position in the Lord. He knew who he was, and that's how he was leading his people. Uh, He says in uh, um, Ezra 8.22, you know, what what had happened here, um, he had bragged about who he is, about God, then he realized, "Uh uh-oh, we're going to need help here now. So he said he was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because, he had, because we had told the king, quote, The gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So Ezra was saying, listen, we had told these people that God is with us. Now we're going to need help. So what are we going to do? So you know what he did? He called for a fast. So the Bible continues and says, So we fasted and petitioned our God about this. And he answered our prayer. So here it is, is that Ezra basically was establishing who they are. He had stated to, uh, to, uh, to the Gentiles that, listen, our God will do this. Basically, he had bragged about what God could do. Now, we as Christians, we do that all the time. Oh, my God is this. My God is the other. And then situations come and we don't know what to do because we are like, oh, what are they going to say? You've been talking about God, God, God. Now, what are you going to do? You know what? When such situations come your way, remember Ezra. He, too, had bragged about his God. Now, uh, when the rubber met the road, he had to go and lead his people into... um. Into fasting, so he said, We were ashamed because uh, we had told them this and the other. Now, what that means though is this Ezra recognized who he was, who they were, and he knew that if he went to God, if he positioned himself as uh, under the protection of God and he petitions him, God will hear his prayer, and usually that is done through prayer and fasting. That humbling yourself before God, that coming before God and uh, stating your position, that is uh, point number two. Now we shall go to point number three. Now point number three is uh, under the situation where, say, have you ever felt like sometimes you're overwhelmed by the circumstances or the issues and you just don't know what to do? You may be in a position of leadership. You may be in a position of uh, um, uh, anything really. It doesn't matter. But uh, uh, the situation we're going to look at is the situation of Second um, Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2 and 3. Here was uh, King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was a powerful man. I mean, this is a man who could say, you live or you die. You do this or you do the other. But now he was surrounded by this great army, and he did not know what to do. He had to humble himself to go before God. These are the overwhelming circumstances I'm talking about. Sometimes you may be in a situation which is so overwhelming that you have no choice but to go before God and say, I just don't know what to do. Here, if a king could go to him and say, I don't know what to do. Under those circumstances, prayer and fasting, believe me, will help you understand what to do, will strengthen you, will help you hear the voice of God so that he directs you exactly what to do under those circumstances. So let's read Second um, Chronicles 20, verse 2 and 3, under those circumstances when um, King Jehoshaphat was surrounded by this great army. So uh, in, in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 2 and 3, it says, Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude, Against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria, and behold, they be in Hazazon-tamar, which is angry, and Jehoshaphat feared, and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout Judah. So you see, here Jehoshaphat was surrounded by this great army. He didn't know what to do. So you know what he did? He called a fast throughout. Judah, so that God may speak to them, and God was faithful. If you read those chapter, that chapter, those um, verses around there, you'll see that God came through. The Spirit of God spoke through one of this, um, the sons of the, of the prophets, and he talked to them. He told them, do this and do this and do that. God led them to go against the, uh, the, uh, the attacking army with a choir in front of them. Can you imagine you go to war, and God says, "Put put your singing band before you." Here, God, uh, you know, spoke through the community, encouraging, you know, encouraging and giving them wisdom and direction. It was a, a very unconventional war, actually, because putting that kind of um, uh, or putting a choir in front of an army is absolutely, absolutely uh, unconventional. And I don't know if someone told me, um, "Put your kids before." Uh, before you, uh, uh, as you're being attacked, I think I would think that's crazy. But with God, he wants to show you that it's not about what you have. It's not about your arms. It's not about your army. It's about him. You know, this is unusual advice. And sometimes uh, you may think that it's crazy, but what it does, it confuses the enemy. And in this case, that's what happened. The, uh, The invaders were confused. They didn't know what was going on. And so when we fast, God's Spirit speaks to us in unusual ways, and we may get unusual ideas about doing certain things. So when you are really stuck, as a congregation, when you are stuck, as a family, when you are stuck, as a company, when you are stuck, as an individual, just remember, if you fast, God will confuse the enemy and he will show you a way out. Circumstance number four, this is when we are making decisions, very critical and important decisions. It could be in a company, it could be personal like uh, choosing a spouse, it could be uh, schools, it could be anything. But when you're making these decisions, you may need fasting. And one of the most important times to fast is when we are making decisions in ministry, whether appointing people for different um, things to be done, We need to fast because even the disciples did the same thing. And we shall read in Acts 13 what they did when they needed to appoint one of them to go do something uh, or separating um, Paul and Barnabas. uh, They had to fast, uh, you know, to fast and pray. God's guidance is crucial when we are making choices and picking people in leadership, especially, you know, especially in a ministry. So many times ministry uh, leaders are chosen without uh, prayer and fasting. I believe when we pray and fast, uh, given the example that we get from the Bible, we get better choices. I guess that's why the um, conditions of the church today is the way it is because many decisions are based on other things other than prayer and fasting first. Uh, You know, untold pain can be avoided. If we uh, seek uh, God's guidance in such situations, it could be uh, choosing a spouse. Maybe that's why there's so much divorce, because a lot of people, they do not fast before they pick their spouse. They they look at the longevity of uh, dating as the uh, necessary thing (laughs) to do, but you know, God makes no errors. If he chose someone that's going to be your spouse, even if you met in one day, even as it was with Abraham, when Abraham wanted his son to get married the choice was made by his servant who he sent in only uh, less than a day because he did certain things and uh, he said this is a woman and so you know many times we have untold pain because we choose based on our um the way we do things for example someone says oh i've been with him i've slept with them i've been with them for so many for so long, so I know him, I first, I, I first have to test him out, or test her out, but you know what, that's not the uh, best way to do it, the best way to do it, would be prayer and fasting, I have a testimony myself, that's what I did, I fasted for three days and three nights, you know what, God uh, gave me um, my, my choice, God showed me what to do in my situation, which I'm not going to go through right now, but um, it worked out. And we have been married 30 years now. We're going on 30 years. And people will be saying, oh, you didn't uh, date for so long and blah, 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 blah. But guess what? We courted for, (laughs) we courted. I'd rather court somebody than uh, date them for four years, five years, and then end up in a disaster. I've seen disasters in marriages. You know, um, people get married and within a very short time, they divorce and yet they were together four, five, six, seven years prior to getting married. So the key is not how long you've been dating. The key is how long have you been in the face of God, or how much have you been in the face of God. And one of the best ways to make such decisions is after prayer and fasting. Now, in the book of Acts, in the Bible, the disciples were aware of this, and they fasted before picking the leaders, you know, uh, uh, in the drive to evangelize the world. They picked Paul and Barnabas to go to the Gentiles, which is us, most of us. After prayer and fasting, they did this for Paul and Barnabas, and they chose them, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. In the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 1 and 3, it says, Among the prophets and the teachers at the church of Antioch." of Syria, were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius, from Cyrene, Manem, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day as as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Paul and Barnabas and Saul for the special work for which I have called them. So after fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and set them on the way. That's in the New Living Translation. So as you can see, before they were sent away, before they were appointed, they were praying and fasting, and the Holy Spirit spoke to them, even before they um, they stopped uh, doing the prayer and fasting. And that's what happens many times. Sometimes uh, in situations that we need to make decisions, Uh, The Holy Spirit will speak to us even before we finish the fasting period that we set for ourselves, because God sees the heart and your spirit is in tune with his spirit. So we need to know that when we make such decisions, which are important in our lives, whether they be our corporate decisions or individual decisions, praying and fasting before we do them, the Holy Spirit speaks to us now our circumstance number five is kind of serious but i won't dwell too much on it but it's in this situation where um it's very urgent and it may be a life or death situation it may be a a situation of persecution politically or other ways it could be a situation of persecution on the job or wherever it may be and so uh, in those situations which are very urgent Prayer and fasting is the most urgent way you can um, uh, you can get results. And in this situation, we shall be reading the book of Esther, chapter four, verse sixteen. And that's when the children of Israel they were um, <laughs> they were going to be killed, they were going to be annihilated, they were going to be um, basically destroyed. That's way before Hitler. And in this situation, there was. Um, Uh, Esther, who was a a queen at the time, she was in a position to save um, her countrymen in the sense that she could talk to the king since she was the king's favorite, and uh, the death penalty that had been passed on to them uh, can be averted. And it can happen in many, many situations in personal life or in political life. So in situations such as these, you know, wisdom and strength to persevere can only come from God, and God can change these things through fasting and prayer. But the thing is, many times we get scared or we get um, panicky that we end up not doing the right thing, and that's what the devil wants us to do in such situations, is that he confuses us so much with the pain that we see or the things that we see, the circumstances that we do not even think about not eating uh, while we are praying. That is fasting. And so in the book of Esther, that's exactly the same thing uh, that happened. But Esther was smart enough spiritually to call, even uh, even at her young age, to call her um, countrymen to fast with her so that she may have favor with the king who had the power to avert the situation. It says this in Esther 4.16, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me, Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I'll go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, then I perish. In other words, sometimes things may be codified in two unfair laws. Prayer and fasting will break them, will cause change. People who have been oppressed, people who have been uh, tortured, people who have been uh, abused politically, in families, spouses, if they do this, like Esther here says, that fast with me. When this is done, that's what she says in this scripture, I will go to the king. So when you do prayer and fasting, when this is done, things are going to change. So that's reason number five. Now we go to reason number six, our last one. Now, the last circumstance that we're going to talk about is the circumstance of repentance. Now, when we do things against God or against humanity or against each other, and we do need repentance, one of the best ways is to go into a fast and ask God to forgive us for the things that we have done. Repentance turns God's wrath into God's mercy is not only when we have just been... Um, Uh, justly judged you know sometimes you know we are wrong and we are justly judged but you know the Bible also says that God's mercy supersedes his judgment so it's not about the guilt of us as individuals but also even as a group of people sometimes you know it could be a city or a nation collectively we may sin against God we may do things that are against God for example some cities are known to have uh, huge cases of uh, um, prostitution or crime or whatever it may be. Those are sins against God. And so we as uh, Christians, we can repent for that city and ask God to turn these things around, especially if we are in leadership in, in that city. For example, in this case, uh, in Nineveh, the, uh, God was uh, sent a prophet to help them. The prophet, as we know the story, of course he didn't want to go, and um, because uh, the the city was so sinful, he just didn't want to go there, and he didn't want them to be forgiven, and so he uh, ended up in the um, belly of a fish because God wanted to forgive these people. God wanted to exercise His mercy upon Nineveh, and this city, the king decided to uh, when when the when the prophet finally went there, the king decided, you know what, we need to do something. And he knew that if we fast, God will answer us. uh, You know, this uh, disaster that's coming to us will change. In in Jonah chapter 3, verse 4 and 7, he says, And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and he said, Yet for forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in the ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast nor herd of flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. So as you can see here, the king of Nineveh, he decided that, you know what, this disaster is coming to us. But if we pray and fast, God will turn this thing around. He will forgive us and turn this thing around. Now, the same thing happens in our daily lives or in our, our regular lives. We may be in sin over of, of something and we think we cannot be forgiven. We think it's too big. We think God has, uh, has forgotten me because I did so much. Let me tell you something. One of the ways to break through is through prayer and fasting. And you don't have to fast for 40 days, 49 nights, like, um, like um, Moses or uh, Abraham or Jesus. But all you have to do is pray and fast. God knows your weaknesses as far as prayer and fasting. But he also sees your heart when you decide, I'm going to fast. So don't be tied onto these things, Oh, how do I fast, blah, 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 blah. The Holy Spirit will show you and God would see your heart. Now, the psalmist talks about the safety uh, um, that we are provided for when you are in the presence of God. All these things that we have been talking about, fasting, one of the things it does, one of the benefits of fasting is that we enter into this presence of God. And there are keys to enter into his presence. The Bible gives us those keys. And one of the things that really intrigues me is uh, when the Bible talks about God openly, God openly uh, uh, are rewarding, uh, rewarding us for something that we do. And there are three instances in the Bible which I call the keys to open reward. God is one who said it, that he will openly reward us when we do certain things. Fasting is one of those things. Now, from my reading in the Bible, I see that there are three principles or three keys that lead us to open reward. And I'll read three of uh, all three of them. The other two are not to do with fasting, but the last one is fasting. So there are three keys to getting the open reward from God, and the third one is fasting. So my thing is, this is not reason number six. So under um, our reason number six, we are done with that. But I'm just showing you that there's oh, there are three keys to getting. An open reward from God. Uh, what's an open reward? That's the reward where everybody sees that God has had you under His favor. You are favored of God. One of uh, one of the, those three keys is fasting. So let's look at uh, the number one, the first key. The Bible. I'll just read the verses, and you can see the word says so. The Bible tells us that God gave us His only Son as a sacrifice for our salvation. In the same way, he encourages us to, to be givers in, in, in life. Give of yourself, give of your finances, give of your time. Giving of ourselves based on God's word has a promise of an open reward. And this is one of them. And is stated in Matthew, as, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, They have had their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Will himself reward you openly. So giving, when you give of yourself, God rewards you openly. This is one of the keys to an open reward, giving. Say, for example, when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord, and he pays his debts. So you see, it's unopened rewards. Number two, uh, key number two to open reward. We are all called to pray, and inevitably prayer involves spiritual encounter with the forces of, of darkness, whose aim is to reduce, adulterate, and stop prayer completely in our lives, in our homes, and in our churches. That's what the devil wants to do, to stop prayer. But look what uh, Matthew uh, 6, 5 says. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father, who." is in secret, in the secret place. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Now, what's this secret place? In Psalm 91, it says, 91.1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. When you, are, uh, when you dwell in that, that secret place, there is protection. Is the shadow of the Almighty? That's what he's he's saying here. That he who sees in secret, when you are in that secret place, praying, with uh, uh meditating, reading the Word, being with Him, He rewards you openly. Now, number three, the key number three. Although the Bible, <laughs> uh, you know, we see fasting, you know, used at times as times of hardships and stuff like that. You know, as we have seen up up. Um, up above in the other things that we have done, we have said today. But fasting took people to the place of power, anointing, and the secret place of the Most High. That's what fasting does. It takes you to the place of power, okay? That is the place of the Most High. That's the secret place of God. That's what fasting does to you, you know? Uh, So, like, I I wrote about this in the book, in my book, Praying with Impact, um, You can download it on iTunes, you know, for the interactive copy, or you can download the PDF um, uh, format from lulu.com. But um, there are seven instances where fasting was used, you know, and explained in that book. You can see how God actually uses fasting as a key to so many different things that we may be seeking. Our reasons for fasting that we have just talked about above they just glean, they just start to show us a little bit understanding about what fasting does and how do we get to the secret place, how do we get before God? That's what fasting does. and in Matthew 6 eight it says uh, 618 I'm sorry it says, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites and with a sad face or countenance, for they disfigure their faces and they may appear that they may appear to men to be fasting. And surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, and uh, that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But your Father, who is in the secret place, there you go again, the secret place, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. So here we see again, when it comes to fasting, there is an open reward, there is an open reward that gives, uh, God gives us when we pray. So, you know, we're going to say a short prayer because this has been real long, a short prayer about, um, I call them impact prayers, so that God may uh, help us to see all these things that we have gone through. I um, admonish you to go back and read through them, uh, go through it. I know it's long, but look at those scriptures, pray to God, and start fasting. Fast one day, fast five hours, Before you know it, God will take you uh, uh, to longer fasts if necessary or to even shorter fasts because he sees your heart. Father, we come to you in thanksgiving for the provision of everything that we need to be effective in life and in our prayer life. We thank you for the keys of prayer and fasting that you have showed us today. Lord, teach us to pray, even as John taught his disciples. That's how your disciples asked you. And we're asking you the same thing today. Lord, teach us to pray and fast, even as you prayed and fasted, even as um, Ezra prayed and fasted, even as Moses prayed and fasted. Thank you, Father, that it is done today, and we shall learn how to fast. We thank you, Father, for this open reward key, and we ask you, Lord, to help us to fulfill it in the name of Jesus. Amen.